The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. It was a thousand years before the birth of Jesus, and the prophet Samuel was in mourning. He was mourning the loss of a great king. Well, great at least in the eyes of Israel. See, Samuel was a prophet of God who used to be the leader of God's people before they had a king. God spoke to Samuel. Samuel spoke for God. When the people of Israel came to Samuel and asked that a king be placed over them, Samuel was against it. But, but God told him to acquiesce. And so Samuel was the one who installed Saul, son of Kish, as the first king of Israel. And to the people, King Saul was a a great king. I mean, first of all, he looked the part. The Bible says he was a head taller than every man in Israel. He looked regal. He was brave. He was valiant. He looked the way a king should look. And the people of Israel followed him. They even followed him into war. Because Saul, he was, he was a battle king. He fought Israel's enemies on every side. He fought bravely and he won a lot. Israel thought he was a great king. But Samuel knew better. Because the thing about Saul, son of Kish, is that uh, he didn't li- like to listen to the word of God. I mean, he'd, of course, hear the word of God from Samuel, but then he would, uh, he would just kind of interpret it so that it sounded more like what he wanted to hear. He would ignore the parts of God's word that were inconvenient for him and just focus on the parts that lined up a little bit more with his values and his goals. And that right there, Samuel knew, meant that he was not fit to be the king of God's people. So Saul hadn't died yet, but Saul was as good as dead to God and as good as dead to Samuel. That's why we are reading, the first reading opens up with those words of God where he says to Samuel, he says, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. The chosen one. It was to be a new chosen one. God says, grab your anointing stuff. That's what he means when he says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. What, what God would do for people that were selected for special roles in the Old Testament, they would be anointed. A prophet would pour oil from a horn over their head and it would show everyone that this person had been set aside by God for a special role. And God had now chosen a new king. Saul wasn't dead yet. But there was a new chosen one on the way. One of the sons of Jesse in the little town of Bethlehem. When Samuel shows up, of course, there's that wonderful scene where, where Jesse parades his seven sons in front of the prophet. Uh, and when, when, when Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest, oldest boy, he thought immediately, yep, job's over, this is the guy. He must have looked like a king. We uh, find out later on that he followed Saul into battle, so maybe he looked like a fighter too. In Samuel's eyes, he looked at Eliab and thought, this one, this has got to be the Lord's anointed one. 
And Eliab might have looked like a king, but uh, well, so had King Saul. And how had that worked out? So God, he makes a point of telling Samuel, things are going to be different this time. Saul, he was, a, he was a king after Israel's heart, the kind of king they wanted. He said, this time, I'm going to choose a king that's after God's own heart. That's going to be the kind of king that I want. All right, so listen to what God says to Samuel. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. That's Eliab. The Lord does not look at things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, Jesse parades seven sons in front of Samuel, and each time God tells Samuel, nope, not this one. And so you, you end up getting to the point where Samuel must have been a little perplexed because God said the anointed one, the chosen one, is going to be one of Jesse's boys. But it was none of these before him, so he has to ask the only question Samuel could ask you. You don't have any more sons, do you? Well, yeah, Jesse said. I mean, the, the youngest boy, but we, he's out tending the sheep. Jesse obviously didn't think David had the kind of material that Samuel might have been looking for. He was too young, too insignificant. Why would you even bother looking at the youngest boy when you've got all these other ones to choose from? But when David came in from the field, God said, that's the one. He's the chosen one. And Samuel, in the presence of his brothers, anointed his head with oil and set him apart for the special role that God had chosen him for. And one of the things we see here is that David wasn't picked because he was strong or tall or kingly. David was chosen because God picked him. That's it. He was chosen because God picked him to be the one who was going to fulfill this special role, make him a king after God's own heart. So today's the day we celebrate the festival of the baptism of our Lord. Remember the day that Jesus was anointed to. I mean, that's what his title means, Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one. Messiah means the anointed one. The one who was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus' baptism was just the first of many baptisms that would follow, that would set aside and set apart servants for God. Because that's really what your baptism was. When you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God was choosing you, setting you apart for something special. He chose you to be his child and a child after God's own heart. When we hear that, though, and maybe look around us or look within us, maybe, maybe we could share some of Jesse's skepticism. What was special enough about David? I, I don't think you want to look at that one, Samuel. Maybe if we hear God saying he would choose us to be children after his own heart, maybe we might wonder whether we are of the kind of people that should be included in that. I mean, I don't think it takes very long in self-reflection. If you look back at your last week, um, did your life really look like God's chosen child? Or did maybe your life look a little bit more like mine? Where instead of living like God's chosen child, it's, I don't know, you have the days when your attitude stinks. You have the days when you uh, 
measure your satisfaction by what you have or what you do. The days when it seems like the only person's feelings that matter in the entire world are your own. I mean, if, it, if we're going to be children after God's own heart, wouldn't that mean we'd have hearts that are pure? Hearts that are set on what God wants them to be set on? I mean, your heart this past week, was it totally focused on the things of God? Or maybe was it more like mine? If God's looking for children after his own heart, we might question whether or not he would ever choose you and me. But now here's the really important part. God doesn't find people that are pleasing to him. He makes them. Let me say that one more time. God doesn't find people who are pleasing to him. He makes them. That's what baptism does. It makes people pleasing to God. That's what happens when he chooses you. Right? Later in life, David understood just what a sinner he was, and in the Psalms he prayed, uh, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Well, that's exactly what God's plan is for everyone who believes in him. It's his way of taking, not finding people that please him, but making them. Like he talked about it in the prophet Ezekiel. He said this way. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what God did for you when you were baptized. Remember, baptism isn't something we do for God. It's something God does for us. It's that arrow pointing down act of grace where God comes to us, washes away our sin, adopts us into his family, and then makes us the heirs of heaven itself. And that changes absolutely everything when we find out that we're chosen to be children after God's own heart. Everything's different afterwards. It's what happened with David. Right? So there in the presence of his brothers, he's anointed on his head with, the, with oil, he's set apart for God's role, and then the Bible says... From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Okay, now when that happened in the Bible, that meant God was going to be empowering someone for the role to which he called them. Like, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power to give him the strength that was needed to rescue God's people. Or when the Spirit of God came upon Jesus in power and set him aside to be the Savior of the world. Now here's David, and the power of God rushes upon him, enabling him to fulfill his special role of... Well, that's a good question, because Samuel didn't tell him. I don't know if you noticed that in the text. Anoints him with oil, tells him he's the chosen one, sets him apart for a special role that it seems like at this point David didn't know. I mean, when you compare the account, like when the account when uh, Samuel installs Saul, son of Kish, he anoints him, and he gets done with it, and he says, you are now king of Israel. Now, he doesn't say anything of the sort to David. It seems like David at this point doesn't know that role to which he had been set apart. For David at this point in his life, it was a little bit more like God was putting a reserved sign on him, right? like the best table in the restaurant you don't get to sit at because it's meant for somebody more important than you. Right, the reserved sign. David was, had a reserved sign hung on him saying God was going to use him for a very special role. But it seems like he didn't find out what that role was going to be until much later. But when you've got that reserved sign hung on you, 
it marks you as being set aside for God's purposes. That's exactly what God did when he baptized you. It's exactly what he did. I don't know if you heard the words in our, our second reading for today from Titus. It's talking about baptism. This is what it says. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out generously on us through Jesus Christ our Savior, that we might become heirs. Right? So baptism changes your status from sinner to heir, from lost to chosen, from dead to alive. And then through that same thing, God hangs that reserved sign on you too. That's what it means when he makes you his heir. It means you're a child of the Heavenly Father right now, and he has reserved you for special purposes, a special role. Now, I don't know exactly what is that role that God has set aside for you in this world and in this kingdom of, the, of Christ and his Lord, but I know he chose you for it because he says so. That's, in fact, why he poured his spirit into you, because he was reserving you for his plans. So how do we find out then what God wants us to do, the, what role he wants us to fill? I mean, if, if God shows us and he sets us apart and he puts his reserved sign on us and says, you're going to have a special role to fill in my kingdom and in my world, well, how do we know what to do? Well, you know what David did? After this huge display of God's grace, his anointing, in front of his brothers, David goes back and tends the sheep, still at the bottom end of the totem pole of the family life. He goes back to watching over the sheep because that's what the youngest boy did. So he goes back, and he was a part of his family, and he listened to his father, and he watched sheep eat grass. Right until the day when God used him to defeat Goliath and set him on the path to become the greatest king in the history of Israel and an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Right until then, he went back and he, he tended the sheep. But he never forgot that he was chosen, and when the time was right, he was ready. So brothers and sisters, you have been chosen. You've been set apart. You've had the Spirit poured out on you. Go back and tend the sheep. Fulfill the vocation in which you find yourself. But never forget that you have been chosen by God through baptism. And that means you are part of a new family. Get up and remember your baptism every single morning. Remember that you don't belong to this world anymore. You've been chosen. I don't have to listen to sin or Satan anymore. I can leave them behind and be a child of my Heavenly Father. Because you and I, see, we're heirs of heaven. Maybe we should live like it. David, everyone could tell something was special about him. Let's everyone around us, let's have them recognize that you and I are different, as different from this world as light is from darkness. Let's have people look at you and me and see people who are so obviously chosen by God because they've been given a pure heart that God created within them. Let's live like the heirs of heaven that we are. And then every night after living out in this world, it's time to go to bed. Remember your baptism once more, but this time remember it because it was there that your father promised to wash away every sin, to solve every failure, 
promise to love you always, no matter what. Because God doesn't find people pleasing to him. God makes them. And he's chosen you. God granted in our lives. Amen.